0: welcome back to the greatness blueprint i'm luke austin and this week we had a great conversation with brock malcolm brock is a former college football teammate we both played at idaho state together he grew up in the south athletics being a big part of his upbringing we talked a lot about that him making his way to idaho state making new friendships there some of his ups and downs in college then we talked about life after sports what it was like to adapt to a new world where It's not football, it's not athletics, and how he navigated the ups and downs. And then finally, we wrapped it up talking a little bit about his journey into fatherhood over the last year. It's a great conversation, and I hope you enjoy the episode. Episode 18 of The Greatness Blueprint starts now. Thank you for joining today, Brock. As we jump in today, I want to give listeners a little bit of a background of you, right? What your childhood was like, what it was like growing up in the South in Alabama, some of the things that you did as a kid that paved the way for who you are today. So you can give us a little bit of background on yourself.
1: So like you said, I grew up in Alabama, North Central Alabama. So I live about 30 minutes North of Birmingham. Most people only know Birmingham or like Mobile. So just North of there. Growing up in the South, man, to be honest, is a lot like people think it is. <laughs> Racism is real. Segregation is real. And we fry everything. So growing up in that and then it's all like the movies, it's, it's pretty real for the most part. So
0: as a kid, you're growing up. What are some of the things that you did to help keep yourself busy so that you could focus on other things? Was it sports? It seemed like sports was something that was prevalent in your life early on.
1: Sports is about the only thing we have around here. If you've ever met an Alabama fan, you know, that football is pretty much religion here. So yeah. So at four, I started playing T-ball, played football from five years old until 2017, which was, I guess was about 14 years or so. And no, 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 it'd be more than that. It was a long time. Okay. Quick math. It was a long time. So. (laughs) That's all I really did, man. And then I grew up in such a small town that I had the opportunity to really play all four sports in high school. So football, basketball, track, and baseball. And so I did that from the time that I could, from the time that I couldn't, which was when I went off to college. So I just stayed busy with that. And that's how I kept my nose clean and how I stayed busy, man. And it was quite literally year round for me every single year since I was in middle school. Was it something that you had
0: always felt passion for, or was it something that was influenced by your dad and his desire for you to go off and do scholarship, or it was just a culture that you had, where sports is all you did, and that's just how it fell in for you?
1: Definitely everything. My dad coached me. So the first year I played football, he didn't coach me, but the second year, I was actually, turned out I was actually pretty good. So he started coaching me from the second year of Fireplug is what we call it. It's youth league around here. I think Pop Warner is what they call it out West, but here it's just youth league and they separate it by yeah. grades. So yep. first, second, on and so forth. So first grade, fire plug, second grade, dad coached from then until middle school. He was a really good football player around here. Very well known, has records, was very fast. So the living up to his spotlight was definitely a role that played into it. I had to live up to his name and he was also my coach. So it was it was it was a very high expectation for me on the field for sure, and then he did push me, instilled in me a dream to receive a scholarship or work for a scholarship and then go on and play in the NFL because that was his dream. He made it to a small college in like Pennsylvania, didn't make it a semester, and then returned home. So he had that, I don't want you to turn out like me type deal. You need to go off, complete it, complete what I didn't. And so from like a very young age, that was put into my mind. As you reflect
0: on that, do you ever think about that dream of yours not necessarily being your dream, but it was your dad's dream and thinking maybe I would have done something different or is that something you haven't reflected on yet?
1: No, in the fifth grade, I was like, I don't know who want to play football. I was like, this is, I don't know if this is for me. But me and him actually talked about it. I never admitted it to him yeah. in those moments. It was like, no, nah, I want to play football. I want to, you know, you know, you never want to let your dad down. So the older I got, I would say middle school was really when I hit like my burnout point and I was just very over it. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had another conversation then. And it's like, if you don't want to do it, you don't have to do it. But of course I was never going to say no. You know, that was football was my main sport. So I was never going to not play. And then. Mm-hmm. When I got off to college, I went through the same experience you did just a little after, after my four years of college, man, I was done. I was like, I don't even, I didn't even go to my pro day. I was, I was so ready to move on and do something different because of every single year being the exact same and just, just just constant. It's uh, the same old song we dance your body at 24 is like, Hey man, like, come on. So (laughs) I did think about that. I reflected on it a, a, a lot. But, you know, it it never was to the point where I actually went through with not playing until my time was actually done. Yeah. As you reflect on that a little bit further, are there things that you
0: have started to pick up maybe in recent years that you pushed off, whether it's something creative, whether it's something non-sports related that you're like, man, this is something that I always suppressed in some way because of this pressure And now I'm finally able to explore these other areas. I know for me personally, I got so caught up in it, not just sports, but continuing on with my career afterwards that I never slowed down to say, what do I actually want in life? What are the things I really enjoy? What makes me passionate? And I'm just starting to find that out now in my thirties. So I'm wondering if you're going through something similar.
1: No, exactly. Exactly the same thing, man. Like I would say. I really started exploring that side of me, I would say around 2016. Uh, I don't even know if you knew this, but I was academically ineligible my senior year at Idaho State, which is why I transferred to West Alabama the year after. So that year, which is a crazy story because I graduated 3-0 and I was academically ineligible going into my senior season because I didn't complete 18 hour hours toward my degree. And so Coach Trox comes into the, the weight room on a random like she's after spring Tells me I'm ineligible. I thought he was joking. Go talk to the academic advisor. And no. So, anyways, I go into that year, which would have, which would have been my senior season as a GA. Long story short, worked all throughout the uh, the mm-hmm. through the summer, and ended up being able to GA my senior year. So that was really when I had an opportunity to explore other things. I picked up a couple other jobs to make some income, and then I picked up a camera started doing like photography type stuff. And just like you said, exploring other creative sides that I didn't have to. Started reading a, a lot more. Hung out with people that I wouldn't have necessarily hung out with because football consumes your life or any sport at the collegiate level consumes your life. So I actually had a chance to hang out with other people in other sports yeah. and really branched out in that way. But yeah, photography was one of the first things that I branched out with as far as a creative side goes. And then I'm still learning right now, like you said, other sides of me and like really what I want to do uh, because my career, I guess I could say now through my twenties has changed at least twice now. And it's going from education mm-hmm. and coaching to trucking. I got into trucking. Uh, I don't, I'm not a truck driver myself, but I'm a driver wow. manager for a big trucking company. And so I guess you could call it logistics And so that's what I'm in right now. And then I also learned trading, which has been a huge part of my life. And it's actually like at the forefront of what I want to do now. Yeah, that's an
0: interesting story. I didn't know the story around Idaho State and having to GA. And I did see that you transferred to West Alabama and played another season there, but wasn't familiar with the background there. So you finish up your football career. You're starting to explore all of these other areas did you feel a little bit lost there for a little bit? It sounds like you bounced around from, from area to area. Or was it exciting for you to be exploring all these new
1: things? Both. It was definitely, I definitely felt lost. It happened so fast. It, I felt like it was a joke. My world yeah. literally spun. And definitely had a sense of being lost without purpose. Because football was my purpose up until that point. And then it was just gone. And I had expected it after that season but definitely not before so definitely felt a little lost and also a little exciting once i did like come to realization and accepting it now i gotta find something else now i gotta do something else with my time i didn't even know what was gonna happen as far as a graduation and so i was trying to figure out ways to mm-hmm. get back home and so like i said picked up jobs trying to find a plan to Get back home either the next semester or the semester after that so definitely nerve wracking definitely exciting because a lot of new things were happening definitely looking back at it now it was a lot of excitement but then it felt more nervous and scared
0: is it fair to say that part of that
1: nervousness
0: or being scared was driven by this you know faster than expected decision right if i think back to end of my college career i, I knew at the end of my senior year it was coming to an end and I started to think about what I wanted to do. I wanted to, at that time, I wanted to move to Denver and start working in business and do all these things. And then it happens and all of a sudden you're like, man, I, I don't think I'm fully ready for that. Is that kind of how you felt where you're pushing off this decision of what you're planning to do for another year, knowing that it's looming, knowing that you, you have things that you want to do eventually, but you're not quite sure what it is. And then all of a sudden it's dumped in your lap and you're like, man, I got to struggle and scramble to figure this out.
1: Definitely, because... Without a scholarship, I, was, I wasn't I was going to be able to graduate. And I didn't think that I was going to. So I went from, my degree was in a pre-PT, was for pre-PT. So it was, you need to get into your program. When everyone else was applying, I was like, mm-hmm. I don't even know if I'm going to be able to attend school in the fall. So it was really, it was just, I had to figure out a whole new path and figure out everything. So uh, it was definitely thrown at me and it was just a curveball it was it was just a curveball i went from having this one plan that I was all, already already feeling unsure about and then it was like i said a complete 180 curveball whatever you want to call it into a you better figure out a new path for yourself and quickly yeah did your background as an
0: athlete help you with that that struggle right cuz we're often faced with uncertainty and Game atmospheres or training, right where you're maybe having a rough day or feeling down on yourself in a game. And you have to come back. You can't just quit. Did that help you through some of those times, or did it feel like you, you know, hit rock bottom at some points and, and felt like you were not going to be able to come back?
1: Man, this time for sure. But sports has has helped me countless times with periods or you know situations of adversity or of uncertainty. And I and I coach that. I preach that sports can become so much bigger than the sports themselves because you brass tacks, it's literally a game. But the life lessons we learn in them yeah. are uh, invaluable. And so going on into coaching, that's one message that I would always, always preach on and and share because absolutely going through everything you go through, it takes a different breed to be a football player. It really does. And going through yeah. two a days, fall camp, molds you into a, a tough person, a tough-minded person. what did, what did coach used to say battle tested and battle hardened or whatever he used to say. But yeah, it's, it's 100%. The carryover from (laughs) sports into real life is, is exactly direct.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So you come home, you you graduate from, from Idaho state eventually after sorting that out. Right. And then you come back home, you play a, a year of football in, at West Alabama. You're then done there after that senior season. And I believe you ended up coaching. Was it track or football? What was it like being on the other side of, of the equation, teaching people some of the things that you learned as a kid? Were there things that you learned from your dad that you wanted to make sure were, were passed along in that coaching? And maybe th- were there some things that you said, I'm going to do this a little bit differently.
1: Both, both things for sure. It was very different. So I went from being a college player to coaching middle school football. And that was actually one of the best things I've ever could have done because you have to think differently. You have to be able to communicate differently and effectively. And it was really, it was a beautiful experience and I'm glad that I did it. So I coached middle school football for two years and then I was a head track coach at my old alma mater and being on that side of it taught, like I said, taught me a ton. And there was definitely some things that I learned from my dad and also previous coaches as well, taking those lessons that I learned, making them into my own, and then also applying my life lessons to them as well. So definitely, like I said, taking all those things that I learned from all the, the great coaches I've been around, my dad as well, and then turning it and using it as my own channel to feed into the, to the teams and everything that I coached. Mm-hmm.
0: And I believe you you still have a state record from what I saw. 400 meter
1: mm-hmm. in Alabama? Mm-hmm. 3A, yep. Small, small school state record. You didn't, you didn't you didn't coach anybody to beat your speed? What the heck? <laughs> I had some uh, over the last few years, and I'm still coaching track. It's at a different school now, but I've had some athletes that yeah. had the potential to, but never have came close to beating it. Let's see. The guy graduated probably two years ago now. I thought he was going to get really close to it. But he ended up running like a, a high 49. Mine was like 49.0 in the four. And I still hold a little resentment that I didn't get to run in college. Cause I would have definitely, cause I got a lot faster when I went to college and I would definitely killed that just for the record. But, but yeah, man, it, it was good. But yeah, still hold this, uh, the state record in the four.
0: That's awesome. So you're back home now, you're coaching, trying to figure out what you're doing. Sounds like you started to dabble in a few different things. Talk us through the different jobs you had and how that started to pave the path that you're headed down now.
1: Okay. Well, I'll start back in 2017. I played that season at West Alabama, moved back up to Central North Alabama, where I'm from. That's when I took in my brother. He lived with me from then until he graduated. So I honestly picked up the first job I could, which was selling life insurance and working at Starbucks. And then from there, that's when an old principal from my school called and asked me if I wanted to come try the education route and coaching route. So I kept my job at Starbucks and then was a special education aide and then coached middle school football and then varsity track. From then, I did that, started bartending as well at a local restaurant. So I was working for, four, technically five jobs, if you count coaching up until my brother graduated. So I was doing all those things. So I was at my old high school until 2020. And then that's when I moved my brother to a, a city school up the road. And then when I moved him there, they offered me a job there. So there, I was still working on my master's degree because I was guess I was going to get a, going to go into education. And so I'm working on my master's degree so I could actually be like a full-time paid teacher. So I'm working on that. We transferred to a different school they offer me a job there. So I'm doing the same thing in special education while I'm working on my degree. Coaching sprinters on the track team and then coaching ninth grade football there. So from there, I'm still bartending. I'm still working at Starbucks behind the scenes. And then at the end of 2021, the CFO for the trucking company that I ended up working for, he was a, a, a regular at the bar I worked at. And I'm out in L.A. actually visiting my friend who works for UCLA. And I get a random phone call. He's like, hey, man, what do you think about coming to work for uh, my company? And I was like, well, like, what's the money like? And he tells me, I was like, man, it was like December, by the way. So I'm on my Christmas break, or I'm sorry, Thanksgiving (laughs) break. And I said, he tells me the number. And I said, I'll go back and talk to my principal and then we can go from there. And then from there, told my principal what was going on and then by that, by December 20th, I was employed at this trucking company. So education, coaching, into the trucking company, and that's where I'm at now. And I guess, let's see, I got into trading in 2020 while I was working at uh, the second high school that I was working at, and I did that behind the scenes too. And that brings us to the to, uh, present day. Still doing that coaching track only, and working in a tr- at a trucking company and then trading here and there on the side, really don't have as much time to, because it's very time consuming. The, the job that I'm doing, but, but yeah. So very different, uh, career path and I'm still learning. Like I, I still want to figure it all out. I think Man, I is- know what I want to do, but, uh, still in the figuring it out stage.
0: Yeah. No, that makes sense. That's quite a unique path. Tell me a little bit about that decision uh, to move your brother in with you. I think that's something that most people wouldn't experience coming out of so, college. So talk us through that process, what that was like for you, taking on that pressure and 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 how you were able to work through that.
1: So a month like going through all that at Idaho State, my dad had a stroke that summer. And so he was actually passing away while I'm going through all that at Idaho State. And then he actually passed away that November. So that's when I moved home and then did my final year at West Alabama. And so it was really, my sister has three kids. She's our older sibling. It's her, me, and then him. There's a 10-year difference between him and I. So she took care of him until I could move back. I got my degree. As soon as I did that, moved back, and then he moved in with me. So it it was really, not a decision, but a necessity. I had to, and it was, it was really, really, that was it. It was, I had to take over and and feed him.
0: Yeah, man, that's tough. Sorry to hear that. That is difficult as you're going through all of those personal things regarding your future in football and getting your degree. You get this news from your family, your dad, and everything comes full circle. Did that shift your perspective on what was important in life and make you want to say, you know what, this is football is this thing that I have been doing to achieve my dad's dream. And now I need to change my perspective. I need to take care of my family. Did that, was that kind of the, the final straw to say, you know what, I need to take a look at what my priorities are?
1: Yeah. Yes and no. I wouldn't change a thing. Uh, hindsight's always twenty twenty. But I did have those thoughts because I spent five years out in Idaho. That was five years, his last five years, that I didn't really get to spend with him. Even if I went to a school and I had opportunities to go to to schools down here, I would have been able to see him more. When I was at Idaho State, I was only able to come back home Christmas, really. And I try to stay out there most most of the time during the summers. And so I missed a ton of time with my family and friends from here by being away. But that was what I wanted. I wanted to move away. I wanted a new experience. Like, growing up from the South, it's very, it's a certain culture. And moving out West taught me more than I could ever dream of. And I developed lifelong friendships by going out that way. And so I definitely battled with it. But like I said, I wouldn't change it. because And he wouldn't have wanted me to either. He he wanted me to to go, he wanted me to play football, but he wanted me to make my decision on where I wanted to play football. And... Like I said, I wouldn't change it for anything and he wouldn't want me to either.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So your younger brother's now living with you. Did you take some of the things you learned through your dad to help your brother on? I think he ended up going to play college
1: football somewhere. Is that correct? He did. He did. And yes, he, he didn't like it all the time, but I stayed on his ass just like my dad would me and he, and him too. know he was 13 when he passed so he he got to have a lot of time with him as well well not a lot but enough to know how he was and i I picked up the slack where he couldn't and and i did i stayed on his ass and he got the job done and actually (laughs) i had to coach him because he was a track athlete and it put a little bit of a strain on our relationship because it was hard for him to separate coach and brother and he always expected me to be a brother but You know, when it comes time for business, I'm a coach. And it was, it was tough, but it all worked out. It all worked out for him. And as he's older now, he's almost 21. He is like starting to comprehend everything that I did, everything that I put him through. He's, he's starting to understand, like, I'm trying to help you get ready for life. I'm trying to, I'm talking your ear off because I'm giving you life lessons that you need to hear. Uh, It was tough, like I said, but I think he's coming to uh, realize it more and more now that it was all for a reason.
0: Yeah, man, that's, that's intense. I think back to my experience as a brother and I had a a gap of four years between me and my sister, nothing like you and your brother. And so I I don't have a frame of reference. The only thing I could say is maybe being a a father, I'm, I'm 26 when I became a dad and you come home and you're. Twenty three, twenty-four, right? And you're having to take your high school brother through all the way. And so it's just a very different experience as you were trying to figure out your life, also helping your younger brother get through. So I think it's a testament to you to, that you got through it. And I think it may not happen right away, but I'm sure your brother will look back and that bond you guys created will never be broken.
1: For sure. For sure. Like I said, I'm I'm definitely seeing it more so now, and it actually helps me out a lot to know that I did you know, what I was supposed to do. But I agree. Me and my yeah. sister are really close and I think he'll eventually grow into the same bond that we have. Yeah. So as you
0: started coaching and you were taking care of your brother, sounds like you had a lot going on, right? As you were going through this, did you ever have self-doubt? Did I start to creep in at any point to say, man, am I doing the right thing? Am I on the right path?
1: Absolutely. Was that part <laughs> of what you dealt with? Absolutely. Coming out of college, most people are still trying to figure themselves out. I tell everybody that that's what the 20s are really for. You really figure out who you are as a person. And I feel like everything that I've went through, everything that I did during that time was accelerating the process of me figuring it out. I hardly had time to really have self-doubt, but there was definitely times where I didn't know if I made the right decision. We would have super long talks if he got in trouble. If he wasn't doing something on the field, there's, there was definitely times where I handled the situation poorly and lost my temper. I lost my cool, definitely. Those moments, I would have a chance to sit back and reflect afterwards. And those are huge teaching moments for me because it's a it's a very different dynamic, like I said, coach and brother. So if I lost my cool as a brother, I would have to sit with it. If I lost my cool as a coach, I would have to sit with it. But also I'm thinking... In the back of my mind, no matter what, I'm still his brother. So definitely a lot of growth that came through that because it was a, I don't really know if I'm doing it right. I don't really have any other Mm -hmm. guidance or template to go by either. And so yeah, really doing what felt right for the most part and, and watching him respond to certain ways is really how I navigated through those tough situations because everyone's different everyone responds different and like I said that was a very specific and unique dynamic so you had to be I had to be and he had to be incredibly adaptable through it all
0: yeah it sounds like you were really on your own right you didn't have a lot of people to bounce ideas off of or have a support system or go and voice some of the maybe self-doubt or concerns you had about Your own direction, right? You were just fending for yourself, doing the best that you could with what you had. Was that how you felt? You felt almost alone in this interim brother fatherhood situation and trying to figure out your career.
1: Definitely. Definitely. And I'm not a person who, and this is like a a prideful thing that I have to deal with, but I don't ask for help or I try not to. And if I do, it's like the last, you know, the last straw. And so Going through it at all. That's why I was working so many jobs because I didn't have anybody to turn to financially, and I didn't want to. I wanted to prove it to myself and also let him see me do it, like leading by example, I guess you could say. But there was definitely times where I felt alone. But my sister, like I said, me and her have a very close bond. I can go to her for pretty much anything. She has three kids of her own, so she would help out with Brody as much as she could. But definitely periods of times where you feel like you are alone, but like I said, it, it, looking back at it, like I didn't have time to really sit in those moments, like those emotions or feelings would come, but they wouldn't stay for too long. I wouldn't let them.
0: Yeah. I don't know if you've heard this analogy, but it's what's the one rule of men. The rule of men is that you don't talk about your experience as a man. You suppress it, you push it down, you pretend it's not there. And I think that's true of, I know I've experienced it. I'm sure you have too, where you go through these difficult things and I'm the oldest child in my family and so I feel like I'm the one who always bridges the gap, wears it on the chin, has to Mm -hmm. be tough for everybody around me. When in reality, I think a lot of us would benefit from opening up a little bit more about the experiences we're having, share those experiences as guys, Right, because it's so. There's this negative connotation about talking about your feelings, and so I want to hear your perspective on that. And do you agree with with that that it's a little bit shunned in society today?
1: No, yeah, you're absolutely right. And I haven't got to talk to you about it yet, but I feel like a lot of our paths are parallel. A lot of our life experiences are parallel. And as a man going through all of that, I for sure suppressed the emotions growing up as a football player coached by my dad. I was not allowed to have emotion. It was very, very frowned upon. So you never show anyone that you hurt. You never cry. You never talk about it, like you said. And that carried over into my adulthood. And it honestly has not been until the last, I would say, three years where I've really tried to grow and become emotionally mature. And it's been on this that's part of the self-help journey that I've been on the last, since really 2019. So it's, it's been a huge hurdle. It's been a huge thing that I've had to chip away at, but it's helped me grow in so many different ways. And that's why I want to open up and start talking more about my experiences because it is important. If we had this conversation or had somebody to have this conversation with us at 20, how much more, how, how many different scenarios could we have responded better? Had we had this knowledge or been emotionally mature. And so I think it's a huge, a huge thing to do and it does suck that it has such a negative connotation to, to open up about your emotions as a man, because we're human, humans are going to have emotion no no matter what. And if you can't talk about them or comprehend them, then you're, you're never going to grow from them or within them and you're never really going to know yourself because we are human and we're made up of emotion. So it's been a huge part for me in my self-help, my self-growth journey and I definitely want that for other people as well and it's going to take conversations like this and, and men talking to other men about it and letting them know that it's okay to open up about it.
0: Yeah, completely agree and I think today the sad reality is that it almost takes a man reaching rock bottom, right? Before there's something that changes inside to say, you know what, I have to talk to somebody about it. And we gotta get to a point where we're not at rock bottom, where we can share early enough to where we can resolve it before you have two years of sadness and depression and all these things that come along with it. And for me, if I look back on my own personal journey, often I would talk to myself about these things I was going through, right? Whether it was sadness, whether I was angry, whether it was some other emotion. And I would talk myself out of feeling that way, right? Oh, I'm feeling a little bit down because something went poorly. You're not feeling down. Just tough it out, right? Tough it out. You're not feeling that way. And more recently, I've reframed that to say, if I'm feeling angry or I have an angry thought or I have a sad thought, isolating the thought itself to say, it could be a sad thought. It could be an angry thought. That doesn't make me sad as a person. It doesn't make me angry as a person. I think verbalizing that, I think, has helped me compartmentalize that a little bit more and actually put out things where I'm maybe feeling a certain way.
1: No, that's, a, that's, that's huge, man. That's, I do something similar, but I've never thought of it that way. But for me, it's, it's getting that tunnel vision of that emotion. So if you're having a bad day, your life is not bad. It's just a bad day. Or you've had a consecutive right. days at work that have been bad. Your job doesn't suck. It's just a bad couple of days and kind of, I am one who can get that tunnel vision and get caught up in an emotion and then spiral deeper into it. But like you said, taking that step back and realizing, Hey, this is only a period of time. It's not going to last forever. Nothing's going to last forever, good or bad. And stepping back, like you said, reframing it has, yes. has been a very beneficial. And like I said, that's a, it's a huge tip and I appreciate that because that, For me would even help me more so in, in the moment, like the drive home from work or from talking to a significant other after a a tough conversation or even in that conversation, that would definitely be like very, very, very beneficial. Yeah. I want to hear more about your experience. You said
0: the last few years you've been on this self-help journey. For you, did you experience that rock bottom where you said, you know what, I have to make a change. Or was it something else that triggered you to say, you know what? I want to, I want to change for the better and started taking action to do so.
1: I would say several rock bottoms, (laughs) rock bottoms at a different tier. Hey, the the first one was the shutdown of 2020, or I guess it was 20, was it 2019 when we first shut down for COVID? It was late 2020, I believe.
0: Or early 2020, late 2019. Yeah.
1: Cause it was like our spring semester. Yes. Yes. 2020. So it was our spring semester at school. And like I said, I was working as a special education aide. So I did not get paid like a a salary teacher. I got paid week to week. Well, initially when we shut down, it was supposed to be for two weeks and they were gonna continue to pay us. Then we shut down completely and they were like, we can't pay y'all anymore. So four of my five streams of income were gone because I was depending on the school. And that was when I knew I had to do something financially to be in a better position because I had too many people depending on me. And so that was the first rock bottom that I knew I had to make a change. And that's when I started buying books. The Intelligent Investor, a Beginner's Guide to the Stock Market, and there was another book, The Dumb Things Smart People Do with Their Money. That was like the first book. So from the moment we shut down, I went and bought a few books and I started reading because I was like, I have to do something different. I have to make sure I'm financially secure. There's so many things that I know that I don't know that are going to help me in long-term. So that's what really started it looking at the stock market. That's how I got into trading. And then from there, it was just an obsession and it was every single day I was on YouTube reading involving the stock market because I saw how much money those guys were making and then what investing can do for you. And I was absolutely never even introduced to it. Never even talked about it too until I was 26, 27. And so I'm thinking if someone would have told me this when I was in college, I'd have been putting money back. I'd have been putting money here and there, saving, not just putting it into a savings account, but like actually investing. And I was just thinking like how much money would I have right now had I been investing for the last five years that I was making really good money. And so that was like the first turning point. And then all that time that we had to sit and be still during that time allowed me to be alone with my thoughts. And it it made me realize that I was dealing with a lot of things mentally that I wasn't allowing myself time to really process. So that was when I knew that I had to figure out something for my mental state as well, because during that time it got pretty rough you know it was constantly go 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 you never have a time to sit down if you do it's to sleep at night and that was it and so actually sitting down with your own thoughts it 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 really for me it was like my mind is a scary place that was like the realization and i remember i was actually sitting in this room working on my classes for my masters and i was like i really don't like how i'm thinking And what I'm thinking about, I'm constantly beating myself up about things that are just either irrelevant or non-existent. And it, it became like a struggle with myself that was just causing me harm. And so that summer had all those things come to surface and I knew I had to make a difference. So for me, the first thing I did was obviously turn to books and that was with the stock market and investing but it was also with some, some self-growth and kind of processing how our minds work and picked up some, like a few podcasts to help as well. But that was really when it really, really took a turn for the.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So you're spending all this time alone during COVID. I, I completely understand the feeling. I felt very similar. I think it was a weird time for all of us. And it triggers you to make a change, right? So you you buy these books, you start learning about investing and you start to question some of the thoughts that maybe you've been suppressing for some time. So where does that leave you then? Do you start day trading? Do you start, is it a fitness outlet? What are some of the things that you did post that initial phase of realizing that you needed to make a change and then taking that next
1: step to go and make the change? So, yes, so day trading and investing gave me a new purpose. And so I had something to look forward to learning about. I was in those master's classes and I was like, man, this is so redundant. I've I've already learned all of this. And like, I just feel like this is such a waste of time and money. And so I wasn't very passionate about that. And so it took everything in my wheelhouse to even sit down to write an essay anymore, you know, and so day trading... I found along the way about while I was learning about investing and so it was purpose and then the skill and then like a new purpose again and so that gave me that and then the self-help books gave me reassurance that the feelings that you have are normal they're real even though you suppress them you're revisiting things that you haven't even thought about in a long time it's okay and it gave me ways to process it and then fitness has always been like a huge part of my life even had to be growing up playing for sports so after you stop playing sports you typically back off of training or whatever consistent exercise i guess you could group it as so learning that that has a big deal with how your mind works and the dopamine and all that that goes into it it was like oh not only Do you not need to just not be lazy? You need exercise to have a a healthy lifestyle or at least for me. And I wasn't doing that. That's, that's one thing that I've found recently. Well, not recently, but you know, if I'm typically in a pretty bad mental state, it's because I'm also lacking exercise too, or consistent exercise. So learning that, learning how my mind works, allowing myself the grace to accept that's the way my mind works, and then also learning that this is what I need to do to combat all those things that I deal with mentally has helped me. Now, I have not done therapy yet, but I plan on People tell me therapy is a huge, huge deal. Me, like I said, I don't typically ask for help, so what I've done is just dive into books. It's, it's worked for me so far. I know I'll probably have to eventually go into it, and why not? If it can help me, then I'm all for it just haven't made the time to do so yet. Yeah. Yeah. That's
0: interesting. You mentioned that about therapy. I haven't been to therapy myself. And one thing that I've found as I've gone through, you know, this is episode 18 of this podcast, a lot of it for the first time I'm verbalizing these things that maybe I hadn't ever in my life with the hopes that it helps someone else who hasn't done the same. Right. So I I think therapy, if it's the way that you get it out or just talking with a friend or family member, Mm -hmm. just verbalizing it in some way can certainly be helpful and has been helpful for me. So for you, you get through, you get through this process of rediscovering yourself. You take up day trading, you you reprioritize fitness. I would say this mental health train, right? Where you go through these cycles of being pretty good and then going back down and then being pretty good and going back down. Have you still experienced that where you feel like you're you know, on a good path and then maybe a life event happens, something comes up and you take a little bit of a dip? And have you been able to, with this newfound self-reflection, navigate those in a better way
1: as you, as you face them? Absolutely. And I still deal with it. Each day presents its own battles. So you have to wake up and attack a day as it is new. So I still deal with going through patterns of not hitting the gym as consistently as I need to, not running as consistently as I need to, not taking the morning routines that I need to get my day set up for success, sleeping in past my alarm. Absolutely. Like I still deal with all of those. Every day, like I said, has its own battles, but it has helped me navigate them because they're not as steep, I guess you could say, and they don't go for as long because I know now what I need to step myself out of those situations. The last, really the, the biggest struggle that I've had with that has been the last year because my daughter was born last September, um, mm-hmm. or 2022, not this past September, but the one before that. And so I was, I'm at, I was working a nine to five desk job and I was still able to keep up with my regimen. I looked and felt great, but after she was born. In 2022, I really neglected all resistance training, which had been like a part of my everyday, three, at least three times a week life. And from working from like 6 a.m. to 6 and 7 p.m., going right home to be a dad, that was what I was, that's what I pretty much had done the last year. And so going to the gym has been a challenge for lack of motivation, lack of energy, mental exhaustion, dealing with all that going to the weight room has been on the back burner it's it's definitely that's been the biggest struggle but and that's something i have i haven't never dealt with before you know i've never been a dad before My first time dad but the, uh, the physical fitness definitely struggled or suffered the most after she was born and i'm really just like the last probably three or four months have gotten myself back into making it a priority and being consistent with it I've lost a ton of weight man like I, I went to the doctor I want to say like, probably about a month ago and I was like my high school weight almost just completely wow you like I couldn't believe it leaned you know, up leaned up like not even purposely you know but but you know that doctor's appointment was uh, one of those periods where you're like oh Get hit in the chin a little bit, they tell you something that you don't really want to hear, and you know you have to make choices. And so that put me in the mindset of I really have to take care of myself for my daughter. I'm not, I don't have to go into the weight room and lift 315 pounds on bench, and I don't have to squat 400 pounds. Like I'm going in there with longevity, and and functionality in mind. I'm I'm trying to be here for the long haul, and I think that mind shift switch has helped me get back into it, and. Not dread or be like, there's no way I could work out today because I'm toast already from work. So like a 30 minute walk to start my day and then a quick mile two mile at the end of the day is all I really need now, you know, to, to keep up with it. And then low intensity resistance training for me is what I've gotten back into. Not in there trying to kill myself. I'm not trying to be some bodybuilder. I'm just trying to look good and feel good and live a long time.
0: Yeah. No, I love that shift in perspective. want to backtrack just a little bit. You mentioned your daughter was born December of 2022. That's a huge moment, right? That's a huge moment and a new phase in your life. So walk us through how you're feeling leading up to her being born, some of the changes you've experienced, maybe outside of some of your physical changes and, you know, what that's been like for you to become a dad after playing somewhat of a dad-like role with your brother over the last five years or so.
1: Well, this is a moment of transparency, and this is, like, something that I want to touch on from my experience, especially towards the the young male audience. I was in a situation to where I was not with this, with my, like, baby mother. We worked together, and it was a situation to where neither one of us had planned it, but now we're in this situation. And so the feelings that I had going into it were not just nervous because I was gonna be a dad. He was nervous about is she gonna react? What is like what does my future hold? You know, is she is she gonna make my life a mm-hmm. living hell? Like I've heard my friends tell me about their lives. Or is it gonna be magical and work itself out? So it was a it was a period of just we were still in a very uncertain time. She's only a year old now. But Going into it, I was a nervous wreck. I didn't tell anybody for a very long time. And I, I made a post about it, but I've been a recluse as far as, like, my friends, my friend group goes. I, I've been really to myself because of everything that's going on. And it was, and I still, I'm still dealing with it. But it was, it was stressful, very nervous. Being in that parent role for my brother gave me the confidence to walk into that knowing that i could be a good parent knowing that i would be and you're still unsure but like i said it it did give me confidence going through that with him but when i found out it was going to be a girl i was like okay well i'm gonna have to completely it's not going to be the same really and so knowing that knowing my situation i was a nervous wreck man I'll, i'll be honest with you i was i was scared like Mm -hmm. didn't know what was going to happen. My life plan had changed completely because my brother had just graduated. He's finally out of the house. I had all these things planned for me next. And then it was like, boom, nope, you're going to be a dad and you're going to sit down and stay put for a while. And so it was another really regrouping like moment to try to figure out everything else again.
0: You almost go through this grieving process, right? Where you have to say goodbye to the life you thought you were going to have. And it's this moment that's so happy because you now have this daughter, but you also are saying goodbye to your old self that you envisioned. So I can certainly empathize with what you went through. Obviously, every situation is different, but you know I certainly understand. When you were becoming a recluse, was it because you felt embarrassed with Something like that that had happened? Or what was causing you to pull yourself back from from everyone and your friends and family?
1: I definitely had a sense of embarrassment because that's not what I had planned. Like, I'm an achiever. And so, like, I want to achieve what I set out to do. And so I'm sharing all these plans and goals with people. And then it's the, you know, that moment of, nope, all that's going out the window. And just really not really knowing what I was going to do. And I would say that the number one thing that made me recluse was really just the stress and the, the mental angst that I had um, from it all, from work, because my work was incredibly stressful. It's a high-stress job. It's very, very fast-paced, very intense. I could spend 12, days at work, or 12 hours at work at a time, and it's, it could be nonstop. So dealing with that, and at the time it was still pretty new to me. And so I was dealing with a newfound career that's already stressful. And then the situation that I was dealing with, that was uncertain and, and stressful as well, I didn't necessarily have the time for, or I didn't make the time for people and friends and stuff like that, but I was really just going home and being like, trying to figure out what I'm going to do and trying to plan for every scenario that might come up and still. And I was still, and I have, I haven't stopped, like, learning. If I had an hour at night to spare, I would come home, read, research, look at charts, stuff like that. So it was, like, I guess, a combination of everything. Not having the time for everybody else, but also not really wanting to be around too many other people. So the job I have, I'm on the phone constantly, and so I'm always talking. And so I call it being peopled out. So at the end of the day, I'm mentally exhausted. If I have to talk to someone, it's going to be someone I have to talk to, which is my baby mother, or if my mom calls me or whatever. Like I'll I'll make time for that. But friends and family, I'm not really going out. I'm not really doing anything else outside of that. At the end of the day, because I just want to go home and turn my brain off and not really have to talk to anybody. Like I want to watch my videos, read my books, and that's it. And then and then get a good night's rest, which has been a, another thing that I have had to work on as well. Cause I'm not a big sleeper. I haven't been, but yeah, I would just say, man, it, it was a, it was a combination of all of that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. One thing that I experienced along the same vein is once you enter this new area of life a little bit earlier, I would say than most of my friends, right there, most of them don't have kids or ha- had kids later than me. I felt like I was forging new territory, right? I was on my own. No one else was experiencing the same things I was experiencing. And so therefore I didn't talk to them because we didn't have much in common, right? Maybe we did back in college, we played sports together. We would go and do the same things outside of sports, but now it was different, right? I'd go to work. Like you said, you, you put in your time, you come home, you spend time with your daughter and life is just different. And so I think it's, as you go through these life phases. If you're not in the same life phase as someone that you were for so long, it feels like you're pushing them off to the side, but in reality, you're just moving down a different path than than maybe yeah. they are at that time. Not to say it can't come full circle, right? Because I've done that with with many friends who now have kids, who've been married and such, but there's a period of time where you do feel alone because you're just, you're going on your own path.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that definitely played a role into, into how my situation has gone the last year or so. And then... Being from out here and meeting my college friends from out there, that distance has a has a lot to do with it too. But it was just, it was just tough. And it's not that I couldn't have done it because I definitely could have, but it's just tough to bring yourself to make those connections or try to upkeep those, those friendships. And it's like all love, like you can call, you can call any of your guy friends saying and it's, it's going to be like, you didn't miss a beat. But it's just the fact that I couldn't bring myself to make those phone calls or respond to those texts and stuff like that. But, you know, they, all my friends, they know it's all love no matter what. And it's, I'm sure that they understood, but I did feel bad about neglecting those friendships and stuff like that. So that, that also played a part into the whole inside of my head that I was going through as well.
0: Yeah. You're beating yourself up. You're like, man, I haven't talked to my friends in a while. I, I feel bad. I'm, I'm the one who's causing this friendship to like, die out a little bit. I completely agree with you there. So tell me about your daughter, right? She she's born. What's her name? Tell me about her a little
1: her name bit. Is, her name is Amari. Amari Jean.
0: Amari Jean. What a name!
1: Yeah, she's she's the best thing that's ever happened to me, man. And I know that's cliche to say, but you're a dad, you know exactly what I mean.
0: Absolutely. What is what is she into right now? She's almost a <laughs> year
1: old. That's crazy. Can't believe it. She so she's walking. Uh, she's she's like. She's mobile, man. I was, I was with her this morning and she's almost to the point where she can run already. This is amazing, man. She, she loves shoes. Every time I take my shoes off, she goes and picks them up. Typically they're Jordans that she, she mm. likes and she's got good taste. She's got good taste. Yeah, She's it's goofy, dangerous. man. She, she's a silly girl. She loves, what's it called? Bluey. Have you, have you mm. watched it? Great show. Man, I love it. It's awesome. It's awesome. I uh, said, so she loves that. She, she loves her mom. Like she is a mama's girl. She loves me too. Don't get me wrong, but she's a mama's girl right now. And she's just full of life, man. And like I said, like I could have the worst day ever, but the moment I see her smile at me or like crawl or walk to me, it's out the window. Yeah. This softened you up a little bit. Oh my gosh. Luke, I'm a crier now. <laughs> Dude, I never used to cry ever, but. I will cry at the drop of a hat now. What are you crying about
0: now? Her,
1: typically. If she does something, <laughs> I'm just like, oh my God. Wow. You know, that's a I can't manga. act tough
0: because I cry at almost every Disney movie now too. So I'll I get it. it. I get it.
1: <laughs> yes, man. There'll be cute little moments on Bluey. I'm like swelling <laughs> up and I'm like, man, that's, that's too cute, you know? What like happened I'll, to I'll, me? I'll look back at like newborn photos of her and just be like, holy crap, where is the time gone? And I'll tear up over that. Like, so I did that the other morning. Just little stuff yeah. like that, More mostly parenting stuff. Like, if I see something that's yeah. directed towards parenting or, like, a young child, like, I will, I will tear up and get emotional.
0: What has she taught you about yourself over the
1: first year? Hmm. What has she taught about myself? She's taught me, like, no matter what I'm dealing with internally, other people don't really see that. Like I said, I could have the worst day ever, and she comes to me and... She's smiling. She's in a good mood. She wants to laugh. She wants to hug me. And she's, she's honestly just giving me such a different perspective. And I guess she can help ground me. If I'm going through it, I can think about her. And it's, it's washed. I would say she's, she's taught me how to be stronger. For sure. A stronger and I guess this is a cliche to say as well, but she's helped me grow. Grow up and reprioritize a lot, really focus on things that actually matter, that don't, things that I was thinking about a year and a half ago don't even cross my mind now. So I guess you could say, I guess she just helped me grow up a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So what I'm hearing is
0: even when you have those tough days and you have those internal Mm -hmm. struggles, she helps you put it in perspective to say, you know what, there's more important things in life. My daughter here smiling at me, mm-hmm. walking around in my Jordans, life is good. <laughs> I might be stressed out about some logistics at work, right? Or maybe I made a bad day trade and I lost some money, right? That stuff is stressful, but she doesn't care. She cares that dad's present, dad's there, and you're spending quality time with her.
1: Yes, and, and you actually just said it, yes. Being present, that's another thing. Because I'm a, I'm a thinker, and so I can, I can literally get lost in my mind. Like the blank look you get on your face when you're in deep thought, like that can be, that can be me at any point in the day, mm-hmm. but being around her, being around a toddler, you have to be present. And, and I really, obviously you want to be as a dad, you want to take up and soak up every single moment. And I, that's a huge thing that I've learned since she's been here is, is to be in the moment and to be present, lose, leave, leave work at the door, leave anything else that you're dealing with at the door and, and be there. For sure. That's, you said it right there. Yeah.
0: So what's the situation between Amari's mom and yourself?
1: Well, still a work in progress for sure. Just being completely honest, we had an agreement before she got here. Our situation was no strings attached, straight up. And after we learned that she was pregnant, that was a part of the initial conversations was I still want to live single. That was part of my self growth discovery. I went from a relationship to relationship and I knew I needed a break. Now, it was an incredibly selfish decision for me to be in that situation and to put her in that situation, but we were both adults. We both agreed to it and that's what it was. So after we learned that she was pregnant, those, like I said, that was mentioned in those conversations. And then as time goes on, her mind changes she starts to want the family she wants the the picket fence the catch-up fights if you're an office fan you know what i'm talking about but uh, (laughs) mine did not and that did and still causes a lot of disagreements and emotional hurdles that we both have to deal with because we sit on two opposite ends of the spectrum and that's something that i still deal with because I'm in a situation where we have a kid, but I never truly like had those true feelings for this girl. And it's and it's hard to be in that situation and not let yourself gain feelings because it is a very special moment. I was there from start to finish and all the in-betweens. And it's hard not to develop feelings, but I've also seen people rush into those situations and it all fall apart. So first My initial thing with her was we could end up being together. We could end up not, but what I don't want to happen is us rush into it, us hate each other because of it, and then not even be able to be friends. The main focus, the main priority, what I vocalized to her was I want Amari to be in an environment of peace and happiness. If we hate each other, I would hate for her to not be able to be around us at the same time in my head. we could be friends and we could still do things all three of us and just be friends. I would much rather it be that situation than her being like, mom hates dad and dad hates mom. When they're, when they're exchanging, you know, dropping me off or picking me up. It's a, it's always a situation that she has to be stressed about because of our feelings towards each other. And so that was what I was trying to preserve between us is just some sort of balance of harmony and peace. And, Like I said, I've seen people rush into those situations and it fall apart and ended up worse than the beginning because it was rushed and it wasn't authentic. Those emotions and feelings were not actually real. It was just, you were caught up in the situation. And so it's, it's still honestly a learning, a learning, evolving process that we're both dealing with. And we actually had a productive conversation a few mornings ago that I think showed emotional maturity on both of our sides. And I'm a very hopeful hopeful person and I, I think that we're going to work through it. I know that we will, it's just going to be figuring it out for us because everybody's situation is different and there's not really a template for that either. So it's, it's going to be whatever works for us and I'm up for whatever happens, happens as long as Amari's best interest is at the forefront of both of our decisions, then I can't be mad at anything, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like you have the right perspective and are making the right decisions on behalf of your daughter. So I applaud you for that. So it sounds like you're co-parenting today. Is that right? Split time. Is that hard for you when your daughter ends up going with her mom and you're back alone with your thoughts and you don't get to see her on a day when you're having a rough day?
1: Oh, it's tough, man. It's, it's incredibly tough. The baby cuddles are, are unbelievable. And on the nights that I don't have her or I'm not with her, I miss that. And. I think you spoke on it already on one of your your podcasts. Like when you make that decision that you know that you're going to have half the Christmases, half the holidays. It's tough. It hurts, man. It really does. It it, it makes you it makes you just question it because <clears throat> the easy route for me right now would be to just be with her. I could get the full the full family deal. I could be there every single day. And it's not that I don't want to. Like I said, I am looking at the long game. I'm I'm looking at past this moment or trying to. So it's definitely tough. It's definitely tough. And she has her for the most part. She's, she's still, she's a, a, she's a first time mother. And I I respect her for wanting to be with her most of the time. I I get that 100%, Uh, it does not make it easier on me, but I get it. And so the nights that I'm not with her or the days I don't get to see her, it's rough. It can be rough at times, but, but we're working through it for sure.
0: Makes that quality time that much more important. What do you like to do? What is, what's your and Amari's thing?
1: We like yeah. to go outside, man. She loves to be outside. So we're either like the park on a walk. She loves animals. Her first word was bear because Christine, her mother, her mom has three little miniature poodles and one of the youngest one's name is bear. And so typically if we're over there. Bear is what would be yelled at the most because someone's always getting on to that dog. So she paired bear with dogs. And so now every dog is a bear and really every animal is a bear. And so she calls all animals bears. So we're usually outside looking at the bears.
0: I love it. That's awesome.
1: She's going to be riding a bear someday, a pet bear. Yeah, she'll probably have a, (laughs) a small petting zoo before it's all said and done because her grandmother on her mom's side is she has like a small, she has horses and stuff and, and pigs and she loves them all. So, and she's already talked about buying her mini miniature cows and pigs and all, all types of stuff. So she'll probably have a, a petting zoo before it's all said and done.
0: Yeah. What are your goals with, with Amari? What are the things you want to make sure she's able to do as you reflect on your own experience growing up and your relationship with, with your family and your dad and what do you want to make sure she gets out of your relationship as a father?
1: Well, the main thing is I want her to know that her dad loves her very much and would, would do anything for her. The second would be I want her to be herself from the get-go. I want her to really choose what she wants to do. I was forced into playing sports. I wanted to at the time, and I wouldn't take it back, but I'm going to be the type of dad that's going to be, if she comes on, tells you she wants to play the trombone, we're going to explore it. If she comes on, tells you she wants to tap dance, we're going to explore it. Don't know exactly how. It'll be strategic, but I I just want her to explore and really be an individual. I want her to embody love. I want her to love everybody. I want her to know that love is, like, the most important thing that we could ever do. And I want her to see me embody that and carry myself that way. And I just want her to really achieve everything she sets out to do no matter what it is and have the confidence to do so. Especially in this in this world. It's important for for women especially to to be confident and and know that they can do anything that they want to do. And so that's I can't really sum all that up in one word but but to be all that that's beautiful, man. It's in a self reflection,
0: right? You had this experience with your dad who pushed something on you that at the time you went along with, right? Because you love your dad and you didn't want to disappoint him. But taking a step back to say, you know what? I don't want my daughter to feel the same thing. I want to support her in everything she does. And I don't know. I think, you know, tap dance coach Brock might be pretty cool. Hey, I would do it. I would be in the RV if you wanted me to. Be <laughs> I know exactly how you feel. You do anything for your kids. I totally get it. 100%. All right, man. We're going to pivot to a few rapid fire questions. Okay.
1: Got a few of them here.
0: All right. First, best and
1: worst day, day trading you ever had? Best day I've ever had. I made like 16, four on a single trade. Worst day um, was like early on. I had been up like 4,000 and I held the trade overnight. I went out celebrating, got incredibly i got carried away well, to say that <clears throat> I woke up late the next morning. I was late for work. I was running behind, had no idea what was going on with the market. and I think by the time I got to school, not only was I not up four thousand, I was down three, so the seven thousand dollar swing only because I didn't wake up in time and so that was Jeez. it was early on so it felt a lot worse i definitely handle those type of losses better now i definitely don't have those type of losses now or i try not to but it, that felt the worst because it was like the first huge loss and it was because of selfish decisions irresponsible decisions yeah uh, but that was a a lot of trading has to do yeah. with the the learning of the first year And that was a learning moment for me. It's like, you can't, you can't do that. You can't, if you're going to hold that big of a position, you better get your butt and handle all your business. You know what I'm saying? And be responsible.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's an interesting point on day trading. I feel like a a lot of people try it, right? You say, oh, I'm going to make some money. I see a video on YouTube. They do it for a few weeks. They're not making money. They're losing money every day and they give up. Right. So from your experience, is it, is it the long game of going through those lessons that allowed you to now be successful doing it more often? Or what would you say for people that have thought about doing that before?
1: Uh, definitely have the capital to, uh, get through your, your learning curve. You're going to lose money. Like that's a part of the game. Being mentally disciplined is a huge aspect of it. And that part of it has helped me in real life as well, but find, you have to find what works for you. There's tons of people on YouTube. There's tons of information. What I had to work through is different strategies, different people learning from different people. I trade options. Some people just day trade outright stocks, buy 100 shares, sell 100 shares. I buy the options contracts and, and trade them. So just finding your niche. Some people like to short. Some people like to go long. I do both, but some people can't. It was really just finding your discipline within the the whole entire market and sticking to it so at first i was trading all types of different tickers now i typically trade tesla and spy and that's really my only two every now and again i'll jump into to something that i see that's a beautiful setup but i don't take a huge position in them and it's it's like a bonus and i treat it that way so if i make a quick hundred bucks quick few hundred bucks i'm in it out and i'm happy about it initially i was making a lot of money fast and that kind of gave me the wrong perspective to have so fighting through that into kind of being an experienced trader your your perspective can't be that like don't go into it thinking that you're going to be rich quick you can make a lot of money super fast but you're only going to hold on to that money and make more money if you're disciplined
0: Mm -hmm. it's all about your mindset and being willing to take some losses and Fight through it.
1: Next question here. Best
0: memory from athletics.
1: Hmm. Best memory from athletics. I would say the 2014 season at Idaho state or my last year playing. We actually won a conference title down here at West Alabama. So yeah. that was a, that was a really good way to go out. That was my last two raw. So that was a really exciting time, but I would say one of those.
0: Next, what's a book or resource that has greatly influenced your life?
1: Man, I wish it was right here. The Intelligent Investor. If you're going to look at the stock market, whatever, it's very dry. Just so you know, but there's a lot of invaluable information there. And then I will say this one right here, The Daily Stoic. That's been a huge one. Stoicism it's- is huge for me. Helped me navigate and get my mind right. I uh, has a passage for every day. So that's something I dive into every single or I try to every single day. Start my day with something like that. Helps ground me, helps give my mind a, a very good perspective walking into the day. And I don't want, I've read a ton of books and I don't want to leave anything out that I might think might help someone. Think and Grow Rich, a rich dad, poor dad, for sure. It's I'm sure everyone's heard of it before, but read it. A lot for whatever reason I didn't read it because of the title for whatever reason, I thought you had to be a dad to read it, but it has nothing to do with like that. Like, <laughs> everyone should definitely give it a, a read. And I guess that's it. I guess that's what I'll leave it with. So those three. So The Intelligent Investor. There's some good ones. Yeah. The Daily Sto- Stoic and then uh, Rich Dad Love it. What's one piece of advice you would give your 25-year-old self? Let's see. Read more now and probably pick up some financial books would be my my biggest advice and don't put money above friendships and and what you want to do like chasing money is 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 not the end all be all I was in that mindset for a long time and that's a part of what caused the last couple years of being a recluse and not upkeeping those for those friendships is because my focus was a dollar and it's just not worth it. It's just not worth it. Everything, your friendships, your, your network your, of people who care about you are, are way more important and way more valuable than any piece of paper. Yeah. So would you say that as
0: you've made more money, it hasn't given you more happiness? It's actually exposed that there's other things that you need to work on fundamentally underlying your happiness, like your fitness and your mental health that are more important than just money.
1: Sure. I think that money will be the byproduct of you living a very happy and healthy life. And so if you, if you focus on that first, then everything else is going to be taken care of. And it's not money. It's what money can do for you. So you can make all the money in the world, but if you don't use it as a tool and use it appropriately, then you're just going to be in a never ending cycle of chasing it and trying to get more of it. Aside from
0: your daughter, what brings you the most joy in your day to day?
1: Aside from my daughter, what brings me the most joy? I would say connecting with people, man. Making a difference in someone's life. Making them smile. If you deal with, like, a person who's working at a minimum wage job or whatever, and they're just, they're mad at the world. If I go in and I can make that person smile, then that action alone will brighten my day, because I am the type of person who will reach out to someone like that and just in the, in my way, let them know that, Hey, I really care about your, how your day's going, but mentoring younger men who I, who I coach and stuff like that, younger athletes, uh, making a difference in their life gives me joy. Giving advice to people who I think can use it or need it. But just telling people I love them, man. I can tell a complete stranger, Hey man, I love you. Like, I hope, I hope your day's good. That, that brings me joy.
0: Is that driven by you not getting that before from someone else, right? And saying, I was alone. Nobody was telling me that they love me. And so as a result, I want others to know that they are loved, they're cared for. And so you're going out of your way to now do that for other people.
1: It could, it could be, man. I actually never have like thought about it like that, but it definitely could be. It definitely could be. Yeah. All right. Last question here on the rapid fire questions. I know you have it up today, but what's the secret to the hair, man? Shout out to my mom and dad, because it's just, it's, it's naturally curly and I just, I just keep it conditioned and what <laughs> That's really all I do. Keep it combed out and conditioned. How long you been growing it out and
0: what would people, what would it cost you to cut it off? How much money would it take?
1: Man, I've been growing it out since I think 2019 was the last time I cut it. I had it long in college. And I cut it since then, but then when I moved back home, I let it grow out again and I've trimmed it since, Mm -hmm. but I definitely don't have a dollar amount of hair cutting it, Look, I I should do if it would take a dollar for every time I've been called Troy Palamalu for me to cut it, which is an astronomical amount of money. Man, that
0: is some hair. That is some hair.
1: Yeah, man. It's, it's a lot. Hopefully your daughter gets your, gets your, uh, jeans there. She has, she has a, a little bit of curls going on in the in the back of her little mullet right now. It's going to be a lot softer than mine, so it's going to be easier to maintain, but she, she will have some curls. That's awesome.
0: Well, we've talked about a lot of things today, Brock. Now, what's next for you? What's on the horizon? I know you work today at a logistics company and are day trading at your new father. You're finding yourself again after some ups and downs. Where are
1: you headed next? It's a really good question. I've been on this the last couple of weeks really deciding cause I just turned 30 in early October. And so I was reflecting how my last 10 years went and how the next, how I want the next decade to go. And so just like I touched about, <clears throat> test on. I want to help people. I truly want to help people. And even if it's just talking about my experience and what I've been through and the advice that I could give to people in similar situations. I think I wanna really do that. I don't really know exactly how, but I think I'm gonna pursue that and then probably pursue day trading full-time.
0: I love that. I've always thought about this as an interesting question to pose as I'm still struggling with myself, right? I have a job where I work a nine to five like you, right? I work at an investment accounting firm. You work at logistics. And you get to this point where you realize that maybe you're not passionate about logistics or maybe passionate about investment accounting, but you can't just play both sides forever, right? So what in your mind will trigger you to the point where you say, you know what? I'm going to take the plunge and this is it. I'm out of this job in my logistics firm. I'm going day trading. I'm betting on myself. Is that coming soon for you? What gives you the courage to say, you know what? I'm taking the plunge because a lot of people never do. And they get caught in between this side hustle that stays a side hustle and this corporate job that stays the nine to five grind that distracts them from the ultimate goal
1: well i didn't really want to to say this on here but i will i've recently been like laid off so the day after i turned 30 i was laid off at my job and i went into two interviews Mm -hmm. pretty much right after that i took a week off i was like i'm gonna decompress regroup mentally and so started going to interviews. I got offered two jobs doing something very similar. They're high paying jobs. I was making more money than I ever had as a, as, as work or for work. And so I've really been reflecting the last couple of weeks. And I think that this is the plunge. Like this is the, the time that I'm going to actually make the decision. During the second interview, the guy pretty much offered me right there on the spot. And I was like. He's, he invited me back for a second interview. And I said, well, will you guys show me around the office. So he shows me the, and it's another trucking company, it's another logistics job. And he shows me where the trucks go, the maintenance shop, and then where I'd be working. And walking through the office where the computers were set up, the desks were set up, the monitors were set up, all the anxiety, all the stress that I felt from my previous job, just like jumped on my back again. And I was like, you know what, man? I'm not ready to jump right back into it i've struggled with stress with mental things the last year or so with everything going on my work being a lot of the stress so i walked away from that and i let the guy know i said hey i'm really unsure i'm having second thoughts about everything and uh, the guy was super understanding and we've had conversations since so this past week i told him i would need until monday to really make a decision so he called me we talked and i made the decision to not take the job because I told him I said I just don't feel like I'm ready I don't feel like I'm ready to go back into that I said I've already gotten some stuff started that I think can be lucrative making money on my own and then trading I said so I'm going to try to maintain and do that for as long as possible before I ever return back to work if I ever do and like I said he was understanding and he said let me know if you ever change your mind which was comforting to know that I have something to fall back on if all else fails but I think this point in time, this moment in time for me is the time to, to take that plunge, to, to really see if I am who I say I am and if I am about what I talk about. And so the time for that is, is now for me. Man,
0: I'm excited. I'm sure you've talked to other people about this, but I feel like I'm on the inside scoop of kind of a transformative part of your life. You making the decision to bet on yourself and say, you know what, I've been through a lot. Sure, I could go work in a logistics firm and do the same thing I've been doing, but why not now, right? A lot of people wait and you're not. So I'm excited to see what comes out of this. And I I do wish you the very best on that day trading journey. It's crazy, man.
1: I appreciate it. I appreciate it. I'm nervous. I'm scared. It's uncertain to have a daughter. I have, she's depending on me. So it, it is, and I haven't talked about me. I haven't talked about this to many people. So you do have an inside scoop. I think some of my family knows and obviously christine knows and stuff like that but not many people do it's very new it's a very new scenario for me you heard
0: it here first people brock's the next best day trader in the whole country watch out watch out
1: Mm -hmm. hey i like that i like that title i'll take it yeah
0: (laughs) (laughs) we've talked a lot about about a lot of things today brock are there any final thoughts or things you want to mention to our listeners today about your own journey some of the things you've learned, whether it's day trading, fatherhood, mental health, that you think could help our audience?
1: Like I mentioned earlier, man, is let your mental and physical health, uh, be at the forefront of everything that you do and everything else will follow suit, keep your people first as well, take care of who you need to take care of, keep them first and, and foremost. And then, like I said, you as well, like you can't, like it's the airplane analogy. You have to apply the oxygen mask to yourself before you can help other people. Mm-hmm. So make sure you're good. I mm-hmm. will say tap into to people like you and your podcast. I mentioned how much your podcast has helped me. And I think probably since this conversation, like you could tell, like the last several months, I'd be running at the park or walking and I'm listening to things in the device that you're giving me because I'm going through a lot of the things that you've went through. So listen to Luke's podcast for one. And tap in with people who can help you or have been through something similar and keep surrounding yourself with good people and and good input.
0: I appreciate that, man. And I do appreciate you for being open and transparent. I know a lot of these things are hard to talk about. We talked about earlier the, the rule of men, right? Don't talk about your experience as a man. And I think I want to, along with yourself, as you work to expand your reach of the things you've gone through, normalize that it's okay to talk about the things we go through, the struggles we deal with and create a community of people that can talk about it, be better and move forward. So appreciate you for joining the show today and look forward to seeing your journey as, as you continue on with day trading and fatherhood.
1: Thank you for having me, man. Again, thank you for the invitation. And I just want to say, I appreciate everything that you're doing with this and opening up that door for me because it is important. I think we all should share things that go on inside because nine times out of 10, there's someone else going through something very similar to you. And the more we talk about it, the more people will help.
0: Appreciate it, Brock. And to all our listeners, stay on your path, stay inspired, and above all, stay great. We'll see you soon.